630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley's going to keep it and then throw, and Adarius Pullman's got a pair. Touchdown, Eskimos. This one from 51 to tie it. Ball is up, and it is through. Sean White has done it again. Comes off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net. Back hitter towards side, scores. Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It'll be bronze at best for the Canadian women's soccer team. They suffer their first loss of the Olympics today in the semifinal 2-0 against Germany. Who's next? Well, the host nation, Brazil. Heartbreaking loss for them to those Stingy Swedes went to penalty kicks with no one scoring through regulation and extra time. Sweden winning it on penalties, so 1-0 the final in that one. Big game coming up in an hour and 10 minutes. We'll keep you updated throughout the show. Women's basketball quarterfinal. Canada ranked ninth in the world against number four, France. Both teams went through the pool play with records of three and two. High jump, men's high jump going on right now. Derek Druin the reigning world champion, bronze medalist from London, has cleared his first two jumps in the final, and he certainly has a chance at the medal tonight. At a medal tonight, Andre DeGrasse cruising through his 200-meter heat, 20.09 seconds. In fact, he had the fastest time of all the heats. He goes into the semifinal tomorrow. The 200 final is on Thursday. Welcome to Inside Sports, everybody. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks to Dave Campbell for filling in last night as I uh, completed my volunteer duties at the Fringe Festival. Always great to spend time on the grounds and check out some shows over the last four days. You want to reach me? Well, you're welcome to do that by texting 630-630. You can get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. The phone number is 780-496-0063. And uh, you can email, if you are so inclined, inside sports at 630ched.com. We'll get to some Edmonton Eskimos news. They have signed a new defensive lineman, Jason Vega, who very well might play on Saturday against the Toronto Argos. That game's going to be on 630ched. It is 12.30 for the pregame show, 2 o'clock for the kickoff, as the Eskimos have a chance to even their record at uh, 500. We'll break down some uh, Olympic stuff. Dave Campbell's going to stop by. going to be a fun show tonight. Uh, Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening, working all the bells and whistles in the control room. Kellen, old boy, how you been? Doing good. How are you, Reed? Doing very well. Now, what do you have on the old teletube over there? Uh, I'm just watching a men's high jump. As am I. Let's just leave it on that yeah. tonight. Do we, I don't think one of us needs to watch the Blue Jays this evening. They are trailing the New York Yankees 2 nothing in the bottom of the fourth. Yeah. The Red Sox and Orioles are scoreless in the fourth. Baltimore and Toronto tied atop the AL East. The Red Sox have won four straight. They're a game back. We'll just rely on the old internet for that tonight. The the fella from Bulgaria that just did the high jump looks a lot like Borat, and he looks uh, very happy with his jump. That's what I can see right now. All right. So. Well, th thank you for that. Was it <laughs> Borat from Kazakhstan? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, they're all kind of grouped together, you know. I don't know uh, what you watched today, uh, Kellen. I watched most of the soccer game. I missed. I, I missed about the first half hour. I watched live. the soccer game completely front to back. So. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Angela White, by the way, Edmonton's own, did not advance past the hundred meter hurdles uh, preliminary 
round. A couple other Canadians from Ontario, Nikita Holder and Felicia George, did advance mm -hmm. to the semis. I mentioned Andre de Grasse, the bronze medalist in the 100 meters over the weekend. Did you see Usain Bolt's run today, either live or on uh, replay? I, I haven't, no. It is. No. Uh, he ran a 20.28. He mm -hmm. won his heat, so he yes. advances to the semifinals. Surprise, mm -hmm. surprise. <laughs> uh, Usain Bolt basically... I won't say that he walked the last 50 to 60 minutes. He both sort of strolled yeah. at, the, at the end of the race. It's just, it's just incredible how fast these guys are, the high-end guys, and how in control they are. And certainly with, with people like Bolt, and he, I mean, even yeah. DeGrasse, until he makes the, the... Well, I mean, I assume he'll have to push it a little bit more in the semifinal. Yeah, yeah. Bolt, I'm not sure if he will. No. Because you got to finish in the top two to make the next stage, and then it's best times after that. So Bolt just kind of makes sure... No one's going to pass him. Oh. He's going to win the race. He's 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 looking around. He's and he's like I said, he's he's strolling to the finish line. By the end of the race, he has broken out of his yeah. sprint, and it's it's just kind of a casual final what quarter third of the race. It's it's the story of his career. When has he ran a full race front to back where he runs it right through the finish line? Well, most he doesn't. finals he does. Most finals he does. Nah. Well, I mean, he's got he's got world records, so I assume that, he was pushing it in those. That hundred meter on Sunday, I I think he let off in the final ten meters well, because he was ahead. But nine point eight one, dare yeah. I say, a slow hundred meters. Yes, oddly enough. <laughs> Uh, 9.81. Yeah, with the record setting at 9.5, it is a slow 100 meters, for sure. So anyway, DeGrasse doing well. We'll keep an eye on the high jump uh, tonight, and we'll uh, certainly keep you updated throughout the basketball game. This is going to be uh, fun as Canada takes on France. Man, that women's team, this is, this is a big one. If they could make the Final Four and be playing for a medal. Bo Levi Mitchell, the quarterback for the uh, Calgary Stampeders, has been fined for by the Canadian Football League for his tweets last week about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, all part of uh, the investigation into the Riders' roster procedures that led to them being fined and having some money knocked off the salary cap. And uh, Mitchell has said uh, on uh, Twitter that, uh, hey, maybe not the uh, best way I went about this. He said to all supporting fans, the CFL is not at fault. I did deserve to be fined. There was a better way to go about expressing my concern. And then he said it's a BC week. Calgary and BC are going to play for the third and final time this season. We'll, we'll have a little bit of Rough Rider stuff later on in the show because I think we're, uh, people are going to be uh, interested in, hey, uh, in seeing that. Reed, just quickly, Druin just cleared his jump. So was that 2.3 that he did? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think his personal best is 2.4. So now they're getting to the nitty-gritty where some of the guys mm -hmm. are going to get knocked out. Yep. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We'll take a quick timeout. It is 6.12, and then we'll bring in a guy who used to play goal for the Canadian national men's soccer team. He played in the English Premier League. He's going to tell us what happened to Canada today. He's going to weigh in on Hope Solo's cowardly comments, and he'll look ahead to Canada and Brazil for bronze. Craig Forrest when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. We are off by one centimeter. 
Derek Durant clears 2.29 meters as he goes in the men's high jump final. We'll keep you updated on that this evening. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in. Well, the Canadian women's soccer team for the second Olympics in a row will play for bronze. They lose today 2-0 to Germany in the semifinal to break it down and other soccer storylines. Former goalkeeper for the Canadian men's team. He's now a soccer analyst on Sportsnet. It's Craig Forrest. Craig, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, doing very well. I, I'm feeling a little better, I guess, than I was a few hours ago. Um, man, it, it was it was fun to see the country get behind this team, and, it, and it's not over. The women's soccer team can still get a bronze like they did four years ago, but um, you know, a, a team whose uh, the expectations for this team had risen over recent years, and, and certainly how they played in the first stages of this tournament, but uh, I, I mean, look, uh, Germany's tough to beat twice in less than a week, aren't they? Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of changes in the team, obviously, that they beat that German side, and this is obviously going to be a different match altogether, but all in all, I, I, I was really proud of the performance. Uh, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, but some of these young players did extremely well, way beyond my expectations, and I think uh, a lot of people within the uh, the organization as well. Um, incredible, really, how well they've actually done, and uh, they certainly gave it a go. And at the end of the day, you look at the opportunities and the way they, you know, the Germans play, the very smart KG, uh, they know that. Uh, take Sinclair out of the game. That's one of your major major threats going forward. And if nobody else uh, holds the bag, well, then they struggle a little bit, uh, Canada. So um, that's what they did. And they had some opportunities and just didn't have those uh, calm, cool, collected uh, nerves in front of goal to finish them off uh, when it mattered. But great experience for them. And uh, like you said, it's not over yet. Uh, they need to regroup and uh, to play Brazil in Brazil on a meaningful game. Um, is really something you dream about as a little kid. So it's uh, not what they really wanted. They wanted to be playing Sweden for gold, but uh, it's the second best, i got to think. Uh, an amazing experience for them and an opportunity coming up in a few days. Craig, you referenced, obviously, there were chances today. I mean, sometimes you see a clean sheet in soccer and the losing team, you know, like, didn't get a sniff. There, there was a, a, a shot from a bit of a sharp angle late in the game. There were a couple that sailed over the crossbar. So, and you kind of referenced this. So, I just want to get you to expand on it. Is it, is it as much the the calmness to finish those chances as much as the physical execution when you're in those situations? Yes, absolutely. Um, and 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 at all levels with Canada, whether it's women or men, you know, we've seen that. Uh, being a struggle for our national teams in front of net. It's uh, the most difficult thing to do in the business is put the ball on net. And uh, certainly if we had that uh, extra threat up front, uh, we, we saw Melissa Tancredi in the uh, game uh, against the Germans where she scored a couple and, and she looked really good, uh, just not doing that consistently enough to help out, and uh, that would certainly free up Sinclair. So, yeah, it's calm, it's being cool, it's being a good finisher, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, some of them aren't good in front of nets, and uh, uh, they are getting better, and there's some bright spots because there's some great young players coming through uh, that will be able to finish, I think, and they could be those players in a few years' time. Uh, you played goal. Uh, you played goal, obviously, for the national team at a high level in Europe. Stephanie Labbe is from Stony Plain, right outside of Edmonton. Uh, obviously, Aaron McLeod, who is from Edmonton, unfortunately, or from St. Albert, unfortunately, couldn't play because of an injury. So we're, we were going to have an Edmonton area goalkeeper, one way or another. Uh, now, again, yeah. still with a game to goal. That's really important. But how do you assess Labbe's play? 
Uh, very impressive. Uh, she's been exceptional as far as her presence goes in net. I, I haven't seen her have a stretch of games. I've seen her play several games, but not a stretch of games on the national team, and she doesn't look out of place at all um, mentally, physically. Um, she's the uh, the full package, and uh, she's certainly had an opportunity to learn from some of the best uh, with Karina LeBlanc and uh, Aaron McLeod, who uh, really are a couple of the best goalkeepers uh, around the world, and to learn from them and to be able to go in with a, the mental attitude that she's shown uh, is exceptional. I didn't know if that was going to be the case, and she's really held her nerve, and, and uh, you know, she's been around for a while, so she knows the program really well. She she sat in the sidelines and experienced uh, emotions uh Different, different games and sort of slowly got herself worked in there. So I think the team's got to be delighted with the way she's played and the circumstances. And I think she's one for the future that uh, we know that we're uh, going to be in good hands moving forward. Craig Forrest joining us on Inside Sports, former goaltender for the Canadian men's national soccer team, now an analyst on Sportsnet, talking about Canada's 2-0 loss today in the women's Olympic semifinal uh, against Germany. They're going to have to play uh, Brazil for bronze on Friday, and we'll tee up that game in a couple minutes. I, I want to look at the other side of the draw. Uh, a, a Swedish team that, uh, and, and we'll get to Hope Solo a, a little bit later on. Uh, will it, would, it, would, it, would it be accurate to say, or perhaps polite to say, Craig, Sweden has committed to a very specific style as they've gotten into the playoff round here? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Have they ever? And you know what? I mean, from a tactical standpoint, I understand it. I get it. Um, but from a neutral point of view and where the game is going and moving forward, uh, we've seen this uh, type of style being very successful at all levels in men and, and women's game now. And, uh, and they're very well coached Sweden in a way that they made them successful. But they scored four goals in five games and uh, didn't hardly want to get out. They're playing for penalties. You almost have to think there's got to be some other way, a better way to – uh, spice up uh, international football by doing something that can encourage offensive football and letting some of the, you know, the players and the entertaining players sort of come out. And I think we we missed that during Euro. Uh, the expansion of Euro going from 16 to 24 teams obviously played a part, and it allowed teams to you know get one decent result out of three games in a group stage as opposed to getting two good results. Um, a good example of that was the winners Portugal finished third in the group, couldn't win a game in the group stage. Stumble their way into the final, uh, going to extra time, scoring, you know, winning penalty shootouts. Uh, uh, that, that's fine, and I thought tactically they did it perfectly well. But I think if we change something in the game to encourage a little bit more offensive football, uh, that would be good for the certainly for the neutral moving forward because international football, I think, needs it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because. I mean, you know what it's like with soccer in this country. You have some really passionate people about it, and, and you have a lot of people who say, you know, I'll watch the big events, but I can't follow it day-to-day -day or season-to-season -season because I, there's just not enough scoring for me. And a lot of the soccer purists say, well, that's the way the game is. You know, it's it's hard to win one nothing, so we should appreciate that. So, yeah. you know, you're a guy who's been who's played at a high level and been involved in the sport all year. I mean, so what what can you do though? I mean, can you change the rules in the box? Can you? I don't know. Do you well, play eight versus eight? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, you could start taking players off and playing until somebody scores. I mean, it, it certainly would encourage a team to know that they would have to score at some stage. Um, instead of knowing that, you know, hey, we can roll the dice and penalties and you know who's going to be under pressure at that stage because the team that dominated all game uh, are going to expect to win. And, and uh, they did it against the U.S. 
the Swedish team and they did it against the Brazilians and, and, and to perfection as far as the tactical side of things go. But uh, it's incredibly defensive and not very fun to watch. And uh, maybe if there's a way to take away penalties and encourage teams to be more offensive and at least have to win a game at the end of it um, might, be, might be the way to go in the future. Craig, I mean, you, you and I speak usually about a couple times a year, and uh, you know we, we talk about your your uh, your past career and stuff like that, and your reaction to to games and comments. And and I know in all the games you've played, I'm sure you've left the field several times thinking, "Wow, how did we lose that?" And you've probably left the field several times thinking, "Like, man, I can't believe we pulled that out." Hope Solo obviously left the field a few days ago thinking, "I can't believe we didn't win that game." Um, but when it comes down to what she actually said publicly about it, calling Sweden uh, cowardly and all that kind of stuff, I mean, as an yeah. ex-player, ex-goalie, how do, what do you think of that? Uh, I wasn't impressed at all. And uh, i got to think I say also that I was pleasantly surprised that the U.S. media jumped all over it too because they, they seem to protect their superstars sometimes when they don't deserve it. Um, that's a comment that I from her. She's said things in the past. She's done things in the past that haven't been all that great. I know she's not a great teammate. I've uh, been around her quite a bit with the, with the U.S. team, with Canada's national team, with the qualifying, World Cup qualifying. And, uh, you know, Pia Sunhaga, who is now managing back at Sweden, she won the last couple goals with uh, the U.S. team in 2008, 2012. Clearly didn't get along with her. And if there was anybody that was nearly as good as her, they would probably draw her. But she's a very good goalkeeper. Uh, and that makes it tough. Um, but uh, and they've been successful with her too, uh, even being as edgy as she is. So, uh, wasn't happy with that. It's a poor comment, and uh, I think most people would agree that it was uncalled for. And and teams, uh, what would you expect somebody else to do uh, against the team uh, of the strength of the U.S. When you certainly can't go toe to toe with them, you do what you have to do. And like I said, I would like to see some other way to finish it other than penalties. But at the end of the day, um, you, you can't. Uh, say that Sweden didn't do anything uh, that uh, they weren't asked to do. All right, and Craig, just to quickly before I let you go, I got I got to give uh, fans your take on the look ahead to the bronze medal game. Canadians mm-hmm. still want that medal. G- getting bronze would still be quite an accomplishment. Uh, give me your scouting report of Canada versus Brazil for third place. Uh, well, like I said, they're going to have to regroup and uh, get themselves back together again. Uh, they've done this before. Uh, nothing more disappointing than 2012 when they lost uh, to the United States under those circumstances. And uh, and then uh, this Brazilian team, they can only look forward to it. And John Herman, I know, will pump them up in a way that, you know, I mean, as kids, there's nothing better than playing against the Brazilian national team and seeing a dream about I had the opportunity a few occasions, and now they've got to do it in Brazil in a meaningful game. It's it's what dreams are made of, and they've got to grasp it. And if they manage to get a result down there uh, by beating Brazil, would be uh, would be one uh, for the history books for Canada for sure. All right. Well, it's going to be fun, and I know Canadians are going to get over today and, and be uh, cheering them on for that game. Hey, Craig, always great to get your insight. Great to have you on the show again, man. Enjoy the rest of the Olympics. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Anytime. That is Craig Forrest, soccer analyst for Sportsnet. Not a fan of Hope Solo. I doubt you are uh, either. Won't be a medal for the women's soccer team from the United States. Canada might be able to get one. We have more Olympic top coming up. Uh, remember, the basketball game starts at 7.15. The latest from the Eskimos. Could be a couple new faces in on defense on Saturday. Dave Campbell will have those details. 
You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Keeping an eye on that Olympic high jump, Derek Druin of Canada just about a minute ago cleared 2.33 meters, so he continues to move along. Another interesting situation at that same height. We had an athlete from Great Britain, Kellen Kennedy, you were watching this yes. live. I just saw the replay. He cleared 2.33, Started to brushed celebrate. the bar. Yeah. He So he has time to stand up on the mat. Do He's a fist sort of bump. pumping his fists. Yeah. For several seconds, the bar is wobbling and yeah. eventually falls off. And yeah. No, and it doesn't count. And it doesn't count. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Tough break for the guy, but mm-hmm. uh, he has a couple more strikes uh, strikes to go. But Derek Druin, I mean, look, I'm no high jump expert, but he looks comfortable. Yeah. I mean, oh, he looks yeah. like he's got more to give, and he's he's in tune. So hopefully, a medal coming up here for Canada tonight. The soccer team will play for bronze against Brazil on Friday, and uh, yes, the basketball team. In, now, heck, 40 minutes will tip off against France in a quarterfinal. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that one throughout Inside Sports. By the way, this portion of Inside Sports is presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. Western Canada's most important horse racing event is almost here. The Canadian Derby, presented by CIBC at Northlands Park, goes this Saturday, August 20th. Well, Dave Campbell to talk about some Eskimos news in a few minutes. They have signed defensive end Jason Vega will give you his background. He might play on Saturday against Toronto. He might jump right in. I would expect a change in the Eskimos' secondary as well. So Dave will give us those details. We just had Craig Forrest on the show talking a little footy. And uh, uh, clearly Craig not a fan of Hope Solo and the way she handled the loss to uh, Sweden. And he kind of said he uh, unfortunately expects that sort of uh, behavior from her. We had a text here to 630-630 from Grace who says, uh, Today I thought Canada's head coach, that's John Herdman, kept it super classy with his post-game comments. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I was really glad that Sweden is going to the gold medal game. It puts even more egg on Hope Solo's face. Mm -hmm. First of all, if you saw the Herdman post-game availability, he basically said, it is our job to win games, to win a medal. That's what we came here to do, and we're not going to deflate. We're going to fine. We're going to allow some time to feel bad about today's result, but he's yep. like, we came here to represent the country, came here to represent the country well, mm-hmm. came here to get the highest possible finish we can, mm-hmm. given the circumstances, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, That's a that's a paraphrase of, of, of what he said. So, uh, yeah, classy classy comments, um, and uh, I mean, look, they lost to a really good team. Oh, This wasn't an upset. It was, it was really an upset that Canada beat Germany in pool mm-hmm. play. Would have been great to pull it off today, so we'll see how they do against Brazil. Uh, so the Hope Solo stuff, I mean, look, I don't think anybody out there is really defending her. Craig was pretty strong with what he said. He, I, I did think it was interesting, Kellen, what Craig said about the way Sweden plays. Mm-hmm. And, look, if you can't go toe-to-toe with somebody, fine. I mean, sometimes you have to go in a defensive, defensive shell. I, I, I think the sport of soccer can reward that more so than other sports because it's it's pretty darn hard to score in soccer anyway mm-hmm. even if you're pushing the pace. Yeah. I mean it's it's not often there are more than a, a team scores more than two goals in a game. You get a lot of 2-0, 2-1-1-0-0-0 games like yeah. between Brazil and Sweden. Sweden chose to play that way against the United States and against Brazil. They were outchanced in both games. They survived both games in penalties. And uh, they advance. I'm not going to begrudge them winning. I mean, 
that they, they figure out the best way they have to do it. But soccer lends itself a little more to that. If you just constantly played defensive in hockey and said, I'm, we're never going to do anything <laughs> attack, we're just going to be, I mean, sure, we'll attack if it's really safe. I mean, eventually you'd lose. You'd get outshot 50. You might steal the odd game. Well, you probably wouldn't go deep in a tournament. We saw Foot- what happens there in the NHL a few years ago with uh, Tampa Bay and Philly when Philly showed Tampa Bay up in that game. When they stood around in a zone and that stuff, right? Uh, it so. was Tampa Bay that did that. Yeah. Yeah, to Philadelphia. To Philadelphia, right. Um, certainly in football, you can be a team built around a great defense. The Eskimos last year would have been a, a more defensive-minded team, but mm-hmm. at, at some time you got to score and you got to take advantage of the opportunities the defense give you. Soccer, because it's low scoring anyway, as Craig said, you can kind of play for penalties. And I was interested with what he was saying that he would like to see something happen so you have to score in regulation time. And the playing for penalties formula doesn't doesn't work. He even suggested if you go into overtime, could you do what hockey does? Take players off the pitch. So right now, if we don't count the goalies, a standard soccer alignment is 10 versus 10. Could you go down to 9 versus 9 for overtime and then maybe 8 versus 8 for the second half of overtime so there's more room if you get into the open, you have fewer people to beat. Craig, clearly not a fan of the game being decided in penalties. He wants to see it that at some point you have to attack and score a goal in quote-unquote regular play, even if it's you know even if it's modified by taking by taking players off the field. So so I found that interesting. Having said that, I'm not going to take anything away from Sweden. I mean, they didn't cheat. They did. They didn't do anything outside of the rules of the game. Mm. They took advantage of of one of the ways the game can be played. One of the ways you can win your game. One of the commentators today, I was watching the game, said he kind of considers it a lottery, even though there's skill involved. Um, and and uh, they were able to execute the penalty kick. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, they do move on. Sweden and uh, Germany for gold, Canada and Brazil for bronze. That'll be on uh, Friday. The Those Blue will be Jays two game, great games too. Those I hope will be so. Amazing games. Yep. The Blue Jays are in a rain delay against the New York Yankees. The Yankees lead at five nothing. It is an official game, so it is possible that this just may turn out be turn out to be a Yankees win. If uh, if they can't get going again because they have played four and a half innings with the home team ahead, uh, the Red Sox now lead the Orioles three nothing in the bottom of the fifth as uh, Boston goes for their fifth consecutive victory. The Ottawa Senators are going to retire Daniel Alfredson's number eleven. That'll be on December 29th against Detroit. Of course, Alfredson also played for uh, the Red Wings at the end of his career. Here's what we'll do: we will take a quick timeout, and then we will get into some Eskimos news for today. We'll talk about the new guy. You'll hear from the new guy, Jason Vega. This is Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad. The tarp is coming off the field at Yankee Stadium. The game between the Yankees and the Blue Jays will resume. New York is up 5-0, middle of the fifth. Derek Druin, the Canadian, going for it in the men's high jump final. He has cleared 2.33 meters, and uh, he's looking pretty good. The Eskimos looking better after a win last week. Now they're getting ready for the Toronto Argos on Saturday. Dave Campbell will be traveling there as part of our broadcast crew. Dave, how are you doing? Great, Reed. How are you? Curious. Curious. Here's why. The uh, the Eskimos have signed Jason Vega. Any relationship to Vincent Vega, the 
the uh, the the John Travolta character from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> hmm. Now, isn't there a website you can kind of search for family history? Well, there's uh, oh ancestry.com. Yeah. Or are you thinking of uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Uh, sure, that'll work too. <laughs> Whatever. That's what, yeah. We'll put, we'll put in Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon with John Travolta and and Kevin Bacon. All right. So Jason Vega. I will guess no relation. Uh, has been signed. But okay. So what? What's here's the thing. Uh, had some good seasons in the CFL. Obviously, you get a look in the NFL. You're you're a pretty good player. Yeah. Toronto, why has he been sitting around, though? Why didn't he have a contract? You know, it's a good question. You know, it's the same question with the, the, that, that was posed to Brandon Thompson or about Brandon Thompson, who was signed last week, had two uh, two good years with the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. For Thompson's case, for example, he was kind of testing the NFL. Didn't work out. Uh, for Vega, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, he stayed in shape. Selling cars in Winnipeg, uh, met his wife in Winnipeg, so he's just hanging around. So you know, and it, it's hard if if you make a decision not to play or a team makes a decision not to bring you back, and uh, you know, depending on what you're doing in the off season, depending on what teams are looking for, at a certain point in the off season, teams are set, you know, and they don't really want to mess with what they have. So here we are, we're you know, middle of uh, middle of August. So the season's moving along. We're almost at the halfway mark, and an injury pops up for the Eskimos. Marcus Howard didn't practice today, and his status in Toronto is up in the air. You know, according to what Jason Moss said, you know we've seen veterans before in practice not practice, and there's been no concern. J.C. Sherritt, Matt O'Donnell, um, but it seemed today like there was a legitimate concern about Marcus Howard. If you lis- really listen carefully to Jason Moss, so uh, Jason Vega could very well play. And you know, 19 sacks in 45 games, 28 starts—that's not bad. And this is a team that's you know trying to pressure the quarterback more and be more effective in that area. So he's definitely uh, you know a, potentially a, a very very good signing for this team. Is it easier for a defensive end? to jump in and play on a week's practice as opposed to a DB because there were a couple of DBs signed last week and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. them who, who who sat out. Is it is it a more straightforward job for a defensive end to jump in there and just rush the quarterback? I think so. It's just, you know, rush responsibility is pretty basic. Not to saying that's, you know, that it's an easy thing to do, but it's kind of like you can, you know, you have a receiver you bring him in, stick him on the wide side of the field. He's just going to stay stationary on the line anyway, right? There's not much action for him if you're going to put him on the wide side. For uh, Jason Vegas, same thing. You know, just put him at the rush end spot. He's somewhat familiar with the system. Casey Crean is here, uh, D-line coach. Uh, he had um, him as his coach last year in Toronto, and Crean was a defensive coordinator when Vega was in the league in Winnipeg uh, a couple years ago too. So it's probably pretty easy for him to step in and understand what he's supposed to do. But, yeah, it's easier for a D-end for sure. All right, so the defensive backfield has been under fire. Certainly the, the points against have come down. The last couple of games, they've scored a defensive a linebacker, has scored a defensive touchdown two games in a row. Granted, it was in, in pass defense, which is encouraging. Um, now, you know, Brandon Thompson is the one to me where I thought, okay, he's got a better resume when it comes to the CFL. Are they going to make a change coming off a win? What does it look like? Well, I can tell you from today, and it's only day one of practice, we got two practices to go. Early indications, Brandon Thompson's going to get into the lineup. Okay. And likely, Solomon Means is going to come out. So... Does that mean Thompson plays the corner? Does that mean Parks plays the corner? 
or they stick Thompson at half, Parks at half, I don't know yet. But that would give their secondary a completely veteran look. When you look at uh, King at safety, then on the on the uh, short side of the field, you got Marcel Young at half and Pat Watkins on the corner. So um, Brandon Thompson, I think, was brought in here to play. You know, he's not brought in here to see, oh, let's wait and see what happens. I mean, I don't think this team has been particularly happy with their secondary overall. And even though the play has gotten better on one side of the field, uh, I think Pat Watkins has had two very good games in yeah, a row. Yeah, so do I. Marcel Young's play has been on more the positive side than the negative side. Uh, but it's that strong side you know, with means and parks. Now you have parks with the Brandon Thompson. Now you have vet on vet playing off of one on one another. They still have to work on communication, but I think it will work as it stands to have a better chance of working out, you know, hopefully. So, and it also allows Mike Benavides to play more games um, back there with coverages and, and fronts and blitzes and things like that. So, you know, I, I can see the players getting more used to Benavides' system, and I can see Benavides understanding what he has more. And I think Brandon Thompson's going to hopefully help. I think it should help. Well, you're right about Watkins, who I've, I've been hard on at times, two good games in a row. Yep. And Solomon means, and here's the thing, and, and this is, for means, this just comes down to, unfortunately, what God gave you in the height department. Watkins has made some plays over the last couple of games because his height allows him to maybe be half a step behind a guy, but he can throw a flipper up in the air and knock the ball away. And yep. means got beat a couple times against Montreal because he was the shorter guy in the battle. And I know how that feels, Dave. <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know, for Means, it wasn't necessarily... Well, it was a little bit positioning, but the... I mean, Watkins' height and length, especially of reach, allows him to recover sometimes. Well, when you see Solomon Means and remember plays that Solomon Means makes, it's not really on the good side of things. Right. You know, he missed a tackle uh, a week ago in, in Ottawa that, uh, you know, could have been a... You know, could have stopped a big gain, didn't happen, missed a tackle. And we only saw him really twice last week against Montreal, but he got burned. Yeah. You know, and that's what you remember Solomon Means for, unfortunately. You know, who had a good camp, but training camp, preseason, and regular season often are two different things. Well, Hervey's, Hervey's not sitting around, which no. which I like. And uh, obviously Brandon Thompson especially was was brought into play and, and helped fix things. So I'm looking forward to see how that goes. Dave Campbell joining us inside sports on 6.30. Chad, he'll be traveling to Toronto. The Eskimos play the Argos on Saturday. 2 o'clock kickoff. The pregame's going to start at 12.30 here on 6.30. Chad, does the Eskimos have a chance to, to get to 500? Um, you know, we mentioned the defensive improvements, and, and you can talk about the quality of the opponent all you want. You, you got to hold them out of the end zone. Yep. Um, the offense has become a little befuddling. Uh, certainly, without I mean, look, I, I understand even if they score on one of those fumbles on the one yard line against Montreal, you're talking about a more comfortable win. Yeah, it was a win anyway. It, it just now seems to be an offense where. They're, they're finding a way to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit, or they're finding a way for a drive to stall, mm-hmm. which is the flip side of the first three or four games of this, I guess first three and a half games of this season pretty much. No, you're right. And I thought they got back to more of the rhythm and the flow that we saw in the first three and a half games, but what's missing is production. And they haven't had a lot of production in the last couple of games, two and a half games, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's mind-boggling a little bit. Yeah, I mean, three plays changed the complexion of that game. 
you know, two fumbles on the one and the penalty that wiped out the uh, the touchdown. And if those plays are converted, we're probably talking about, hey, the offense is back to where it right. was. But it didn't happen, right? They took, according to Jason Moss, who I spoke to on the show yesterday, um, had the, the offense at six penalties. That's too many. You know, how many first downs are you taking away? How many scores are you taking away? So we clearly saw one score get taken away. So they have to be sharper. There's no doubt. And if they get back to the level that they were at in the first three and a half games, that's going to be great. I think the challenge, though, is, and maybe it's more of a challenge for the opposition, but I, and you brought up a good point when you called me on the points after show last Thursday. They don't really have a third option in the receiving core. The third option right now in the receiving game is the running back, John White. He has the third most targets on the team with 41. Walker has 79. Bowman has 78. So, But after that, after Bowman and Walker, there's not much from Watson. There's not much from Getzlaff, who are not getting favorable matchups in some ways. Sure. You're not going to move those guys around to give them favorable matchups. You're going to move Walker and Bowman around to give them favorable matchups and, and include John White. Nate Kuhorn has three targets in two games. So he's not getting a lot of looks. So it's hard to cover 87 and 4. But, you know, heaven forbid there's one game where they shut both down, whoever that is, whoever yeah. they is. So, you know, you, they miss Kenny Stafford. There's no question. They don't miss the money that they were going to pay him uh, if they were going to keep him. But uh, they miss that type of receiver. And I've been asked many times, Reed, are they going to go to three international receivers at some point? I say good question. Very good question. Or can well, because most teams do, right? Yeah, they do. And can Devin Bailey maybe step up, draft pick first rounder from a couple years ago, who we're still waiting to see the best out of. He's back after a concussion, suffered in training camp. Can he be the guy that can maybe supplant someone, you know, like a Getzlaff or like a, you know a, a Watson or even a Kuhorn at some point uh, in the season? But I think they need a third option. They they missed the home run hitter and. Kenny Staff. Well, I, I don't mind. I mean, I understand now both sides of the border. The passing game is so big. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of throws to the running back. So I don't mind White getting the targets. It just seems there's a lot of passes to White that don't go anywhere. And we saw a couple, we, well, we've probably seen three or four of the last two games where either White's angle out of the backfield isn't correct mm-hmm. or Riley is is throwing it a little off kilter to you know the 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 flare coming out of the backfield and, and there are plays where yards are there yeah. but they're they're not they're turning in incompletions instead of gains or he drops the ball or he flat out drops the ball yeah, yeah. so um I like that White gets the ball in his hands you know he had 17 touches 13 on the ground the running game was better they used it more they need to probably use it a little or a bit more and get more production, but I won't argue with a 5.1 yard average either. He was getting the job done, but uh, yeah, their their offense their offense is very good. I'll say that, but I think they could use a little more tweaking of the other options besides Walker and and Bowman. And when I say that, I go, that's crazy because they both could be 2,000 yard yeah, receivers exactly. this year. So <laughs> anyway, but you worry. What if they get shut down? You know. But uh, uh, that's also been easier said than done. Dave, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right, and in the last couple of minutes here, Derek Druin, the Canadian, has cleared 2.36 metres in the men's high jump. Uh, They're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Only five guys left. An American, Eric Kennard, just missed at 2.36 after missing 
Uh, he was on the mat, picked up the bar, yeah. kind of tossed it in the air, grabbed it again, and spiked it down to the mat. Uh, yeah. A jumper from Great Britain just with his second miss at that height. So Druin looking really good to get a medal. Will it be gold? We'll keep you updated tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.